right? It's almost like if you ever go to the park and, and maybe you've had this experience or down at the beach and you see that cute older couple and they're walking together, you know, hands in hands. And you don't want to be creepy, but you take your new iPhone X and you get a picture of them and then you want to post it. And then what do we hashtag? Hashtag relationship goals. Right. Like I want to be some I want to look like that. And what if you could sit them down and you could say, like, tell me the secrets that you learned. Like, how did you get to this place where you've become my relationship goals? Right. So if we were to ask healthy Christians that are, are, are living a vibrant and flourishing Christian walk. And we said, what does that look like? What what, did, what, what what kind of things have you done to get to this point? I bet you that all seven of these things that we're going to look at would be real high on the majority of all of their lists. And so for this morning, we're going to be looking at the title of our message is Knowing the Word. Knowing the Word. And already some of you guys, I already saw it in your eyes. You're like, okay, so I get it now. I'm, 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 I know where we're at here. It's like the obligatory um, Kenny Keating, Pastor Kenny, um, motivational speech on, on the daily Bible reading plan for 2018, right? And he, the goal of Kenny's speech this morning is going to be to try to get us to make a commitment to read more often and most of you guys maybe you're like I I actually want to do that so maybe you're engaged and it's almost like a Hallmark Christmas movie where you watch the first two minutes and then all of a sudden you've already figured out what's going to happen right like okay that guy he he used to love Christmas he doesn't love Christmas anymore and he he just happened to move next to this girl who loves Christmas and we and they're both single what, what, what do we think is going to happen, right? They're going to fall in love, and they're all going to love Christmas, and then we're all going to feel good about it. But we keep watching because, like, we want to see how this plays out. And I know some of you guys feel like that's what's going on this morning. I've already figured it out. Well, I just confess to you that, yes, we are going to talk about knowing God's Word. And I do, as your pastor, hope that most of us will engage in reading the Bible this year, and I hope that it will impact your heart and impact your life. I do hope that, but also let me just throw this card on the table. Reading the Bible more is not going to be enough. I'm not passionate to get up here and give a motivational speech to try to encourage you to read your Bibles more because it's not going to be enough. And what I mean by that is there is a definite attitude towards knowing the Word of God, and there is a theological piece about this concept of knowing God that if we will learn it and embrace it, it will be a game changer. And that's what I want to talk about this morning with you. So first, let's think about this attitude. I think we would all agree there's a very real difference between somebody who approaches knowing the word in 2018 like this. They, they think like, OK, I know I should read my Bible. And in your in your bulletins, you have a, a, a one year plan. And we're going back to the one year Bible. And some of you guys have already looked at it and you're like, I thought we were on a three year reading plan. What happened if you're on that three year journey and, and you got to finish? We still have access to that journey and we would encourage you to finish out that journey but but for a lot of us we're going to be in the one-year bible which gets a little bit of old testament a little bit 
of New Testament, a little bit of the Psalms and the Proverbs. And, and so you're like, okay, I got this book Mark, right? And, and I want to know the word. And you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really make a real effort to do this. I'm going like, to like commit to trying really hard to do this. Like, I want to do this, and I know this would be good for me. And if that's where you're at, then that's a great attitude. But what if you would compare it to the person who's like, you know what? If I don't, if I don't get in God's word this year, in this season, if I don't hear something from God, if God does not speak to me and meet me where I'm at in the Word, I'm not going to make it. I mean, like to be that person that is so desperate that you're like that thirsty man who's been playing basketball all day and, and is dehydrated and you handed him a glass of water, how's he going to drink that water? I mean, he's going to be like spilling all over him, and I don't even care. He's going to be devouring that water. You take a hungry animal, and you stick some food in front of it. What does that look like? I mean, he's just mauling that meal, and like, like it's the last meal he's ever going to have. Do you guys see the difference? I mean, I just crave that we would be people that approach knowing God's word, not like it's something that we should do, but it's like something that is non-negotiable. We have to do, and if we don't, we're not going to make it. That's a different attitude. And there's a theology piece to this, too. When I say knowing God's word, I mean, what image do you have in your mind? What does that mean to you to know God's word. I mean, is it like, what, is what we're talking about like, like having a better understanding of the, of, of the stories and the prayers and the prophecies and the teachings that are all contained in this ancient set of writings? Is that, to know God's word, is it equivalent to being biblically literate and, and having a grasp of what's in here, knowing the word? Is that what it means? I would, I would encourage you that it's more than that. It's not less than that. But it's so much more than that. Because when you look at John, John starts his gospel account like this. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then a little later on, he says, and Jesus is the word. So if Jesus is the word, then knowing the word has to have a lot to do with knowing this Jesus. We look back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, and out of nothing, I mean, there was, not, there was absolutely nothing. It was nothingness. And then ex nihilo is the Latin word, when God created everything out of nothing. And if you're the greatest artist in the world, you have to have some stuff in order to create something beautiful. But God didn't. He needed nothing out of nothing. He spoke his words and everything that exists came into into play. How is that beautiful to know the word is to engage with God in these scriptures and to get to know this Jesus and this heavenly father creator who out of nothing made everything. Your marriage or your life or your habitual patterns or your struggle or your inner deal or your sickness or all of those things, engaging with the God who can make a way where there is no way. Ex nihilo in your life. That's what it looks like to know 
the word, to know not just a bunch of information, but to know the living God who loves you. That is what I want to talk about this morning. And so if you would open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, I want to look at two verses where the writer here uh, uh, of this Hebrews a passage, I believe, is, sa- is talking about this very same thing. So in Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, he says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of mar- marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. How many of you guys have tried to fix yourself? Right? It doesn't work. How many of you guys just need something? You don't even maybe know what it is, but you just need something to pierce through whatever it is. Pierce through that that hardening of your heart, the walls that you put up, the voices that you've heard, the experiences that you've had, the failures that you're sick of having, the, the, the patterns that have created in your life you don't know how to escape from, and just to pierce through all of that junk and get right where it needs to be and make some change. Because this passage is saying that the Word of God does that very thing. It is the Word of God that is living and active and pierces through all of the things that you don't even like, like, like your, your marrow and your like, it's biology and like your, your, your psychology and like your, 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 your whatever. What, your, whatever your issues are, just boom. I need something that's going to pierce through that and just get right where it matters. And what this passage is saying is that the word of God is that very thing. And so, throughout history, theologians have, have, have debated of what does it mean when we're, what, what does this passage mean when it's talking about the word of God? And so some, some theologians have said, well, it's the, the word of God is Scripture. The word of God here in this passage must be the scriptures, the, the, the ancient writings. Uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he says, be acquainted with the ancient writings. Like knowing these ancient writings, knowing the Bible stories, knowing all of those things. Is that what the word of God is in this passage? And then some, some would say, like, no, no, the word of God here in this that's living and active is Jesus. Which is it? I honestly believe, and Spurgeon, one of the great theologians uh, of, of any day, believed this about this passage, that it is both. That somehow in this passage what he's saying is that the scriptures and this Jesus are so intertwined and you can't pull them apart and figure out which one's which. And so what he's saying is, is that literally by engaging in the scriptures, we we meet with Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and gets involved and you're like, what's the Father's part and what's Jesus's part and what's the Holy Spirit's part and what's my part and what's the writer's part and what's the culture part? It is so divinely slammed together that if you even pulled it apart, you, you would lose its meaning. It needs to all be a part of the process. So it's Jesus 
And the word is meeting with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit as we engage in these scriptures on a regular basis. I believe that's what this writer is talking about. And he's saying that when that happens, now you could read the Bible with all of that, out all of that stuff. I mean, some of you, we've, we have, right? We know people who read the Bible and they, and they get something out of it and it's very stale. But then we have other people and maybe we've had this experience where the Holy Spirit's just speaking to you and the words kind of like just come alive and it speaks right to where you're at and it pierces you and it transforms you. That is what this writer is talking about here. That, 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 that the word of God is living and active. It's not stale, ancient writings. It's alive and active and participating and changing and moving and doing something in our day, in our lives, in our hearts. And it's making an impact on those who are craving it like that second attitude person we talked about, like a hungry animal devours anything you put in front of him. And so in our notes, I want to just kind of look at the impact of God's word that we see in this passage, the impact of God's word. And then we're going to watch some testimony videos after we do the first section of our notes. We have some people who have just kind of shared. This is kind of what it looks like for me to engage in the scriptures. And then at the end of our time, I'm going to spend some time talking about some tips on what it looks like to study God's word and what it looks like to have devotional time in God's word. And so you'll get some theology, you'll get some practical stuff today. But I want to talk about the impact of God's word. And the first thing that we're going to see in our notes is that God's word, it builds our confidence. God's word, it builds our confidence. In Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, if you read it, it's a reoccurring theme of how Jesus is better than everything. And, how, and it's pointing back to in Psalm 95 when David is talking, in Psalm 95 he's talking about becoming people who recognize how great God is and worshiping God. And he's talking about it in the context of not being like these people in generations before who had neglected God's word. They didn't know God's word and so they fell away and they were led astray. And so in this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, the context is all there of not being people who don't know God through his word. Because knowing God through his word makes us confident for whatever comes our way. That's kind of the idea. And so in verses 1 through 5 of Hebrews chapter 4, he's been talking about this deep rest that we can have when we know God. That there's this deep rest available when we know God, because when you know God, you're in God's hands, and you, we could say it like this, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And so our confidence becomes in who we know God to be, because we know Him. We know His Word. And so we have this confidence and so knowing God's word, it builds our confidence. So verses 1 through 5, he's been talking about this deep rest that you can have in your soul because you know him. 
Any of you guys crave that? Any of you guys are like, if I could figure out how to have that rest, that is like a game changer in my life. To just like be able to sleep again and not think through all those things and worry about all of those things and, and have to feel like if I don't worry about those things, they'll all fall apart and it's all dependent on me and I don't know if it's going to make it and I don't know what to do and I just feel overwhelmed and then just to have whew, rest. That's what he's been talking about. A deep rest for your soul that can be found in this Jesus. So in verses 6 and 7, he says, since, since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it. He's talking about that rest. To enter this rest. And he says, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. So there was this people somewhere along the lines that he's talking about that the rest was available to them because God was making himself available to them. But they chose not to follow God and not to enter that rest. And they chose to figure it out on their own and they failed. Just like we all do when we try to do it on our own. That's what he's talking about. And then he says again, he points a, to a certain day. And he says, today, saying, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. There's this idea that God is speaking to us and he, his word is available to us, but that we can't harden our hearts and ignore it. And if we do, we're going to be like these people that he's, gonna be point, that he's pointing to that did that and they failed. And they didn't enter the rest. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In verses, in chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews, he repeats this three times. This is the last time. And what it is, it's, it's pointing back to Psalm, he's quoting Psalm 95. Psalm 95, David says this in Psalm 95, 6 and 8. He says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. If we just start, stop right there, what is he saying about, what does he know about God? That God is our maker. That he is this, he's our shepherd. And we're his sheep. And this is the picture he's painting, that if we, if we would know this God, if we would rest in that God, if we would be what we're supposed to be, which is his people, he's our maker, and we're his people, there would be this rest in that. And then he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. So now we've gone from Hebrews chapter 4 is referencing Hebrews, uh, I, mean, I mean Psalm 95, and then Psalm 95 is referencing Exodus. The story goes like this. Remember when, Mo when Moses leads the people out of Egypt and they get freedom from slavery, but then what do they enter into? They enter into a wilderness, and what they've entered into is more than just a wilderness. They've entered into a time period where they don't know what to do, and they're out of their comfort zone. And when you enter a time which is out of your control, which is unfamiliar, unfamiliar territory, and out of your comfort zone, 
what you can have the tendency to, to experience is fear, fear of the unknown, and anxiety. And those things can become such a motivator that you can actually become angry. I feel angry. And you can start complaining. And that's exactly what they do. They start feeling this fear and this anxiety, and it goes on for a few weeks, and they're hungry, and they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, and they don't know where, 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 what they're going to do for jobs, and they don't know what they're, where they're going to live, and they don't know, they don't know, and they don't know, and, they're, and they become scared, and then they become anxious, and then they become angry, and then they start complaining and saying, why did God take us out of Egypt where everything made sense, even though we were slaves and we hated it, but it made sense, and now you brought us out here into the wilderness to die. That's what they're saying. Is that true? Did God bring them out of slavery, which they prayed for for 400 years? Did he answer their prayer and lead them to the wilderness so they could die? But they felt that way. You ever, you ever been in that tension? It's like, I know, but I feel. I know, and then, but I feel tension. They're just embracing that. And then it says that God speaks to Moses, and, he's, and they're walking in this area that he talks about, and he says, take your staff and tap the rock, and it will open up and water will come out, and then everyone can get a drink, and I'll give them something to drink because that's what they're complaining about. But then he says this in, in Exodus 17, 7. He, said, he says, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? They started feeling like maybe God's not with us because we can't feel him. And they questioned him. And God rebuked them. And then we go back to Psalm 95 and 9 and 10. He says, and he, and he talks about that time. He says, when your fathers, they put me to the test and they put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who goes astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So not remembering God's ways and his character leads to fear and anxiety when we get out of our comfort zone. And that leads these people, and it will lead us to go astray. How many of you guys know this? You will not drift towards health. You, you don't just like, like just do whatever you want and not put any care into the direction that you're going, into, into anything, and like, like wake up one day and go, I cannot believe how great everything is and how healthy I feel. No, you don't drift towards health. You've got to fight for it. You've got to care. That's why it's called soul care. You've got care. You to do some things to care for yourself because you don't drift towards health, and that's what happens with these people. They forget to remember how great God is and that he had just done so much. And all throughout history, he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful. He's always been faithful. And they should have said, so he'll be faithful again. But they said, maybe this time he's not with us. Maybe 
all his faithfulness has been used up. Maybe he's changed his mind somehow. Maybe he's not going to keep his promises. And they complain and they whine and they get grumpy and they fight and they quarrel. Why? And it says they were led astray. Because you don't drift towards health. You drift away from God. Unless you do something and you cling to something to ground you and to drive you in the right direction. And what what the writer of Hebrews is saying is somehow knowing the word of God is that thing. Somehow knowing God because you know his word, somehow that is is the thing. And then he'll he'll move us into this this Hebrews chapter 4 of a great a great peace but I just want to stop for a moment and talk about our 2018 journey. My guess is that for some of us no matter what our approach is we're going to either do one of two things. Either either we're going to try really hard to stay within our comfort zone I mean, that's the way that our world kind of is. They, everything that we buy and sell is a kind of just packaged to kind of like, like keep us comfortable and keep us safe. And you're going to just like, that's going to be your goal for this year is to be safe and to be comfortable. And we're going to fight for that. And some of us, you're going you're gonna to reach your goal. You're going to be safe. And you're going to be comfortable. But you're going to miss out on all these things that God wanted to do in and through your life. Is that what we want? And some of us, even though we're going to try to do that, we're not going to be able to, and life is going to come at us anyways, and you're going to get pushed out of your comfort zone. And when you do, if you're not grounded and rooted in the Word of God, you're not going to have the confidence that you need to say things may be hard, but I know my God can handle it. Where will our confidence be this year? In what will we place our confidence? And how can we hold fast to that confidence? Somehow knowing the word of God is a big piece of this answer. So he says in Hebrews chapter 4, in 14 through 16, he he says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us hold fast to the things that we believe, our confession, about God, about what He's done, about what He's promised. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, what he's saying in this whole passage is don't be like those people who forgot to remember how big their God is. They just started talking about how big their problems were, but they forgot how big their God was. And so they they were consumed by how big their problems were and they were forgetting how big their God was. 
He goes, don't be like those people. Be like the people who remember how big their God is. And then you tell, don't, don't tell God how big your problems are. You tell your problems how big your God is. Like those types of people, that's what he's saying. And then you can have confidence not only to read the Bible and be able to like, you know, like if we do a trivia and you're like, you know, who's this person in the Bible? And you're like, oh, I know the answer to that. Who cares? Do you know God? I want to get in the Word. I just want to draw near to Him. Not a bunch of information. In that information, it contains everything that we need to know for life and godliness. But on our own, without Him and without the Holy Spirit, it's dead. But that's not what the Word of God is. No, the Word of God is living and active because we draw near to him in his presence as we dig into the word of God. Do not check off the box one day this year. Crave him every day this year. It's a very different attitude. So it builds our confidence. And then, and then second, it recalibrates our hearts. It recalibrates our hearts. So in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 12 says, For the, the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, this, this word of God, it's able to, to kind of get into the situation. As you read it, it's already read you. When you go and you start reading the passage, guess what? It's already read you. It's reading you, too. It's figuring out where you are at. And it's just kind of like it's this relationship with this living and active God is involved. And somehow he is able to, because he's God, I couldn't do it, but because he's God, he is able to meet you right where you're at in the Word. And he's able to just recalibrate it. And he's able to pierce through all the junk, all the stuff, all the stress, all the anxieties, all those things. He's able to pierce through it. And he's able to build you up. And he's able to speak right where you're at. Is able to recalibrate our hearts. Recalibrates our hearts towards confidence. That's why Peter goes in 1 Peter 1, 23, he says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Literally, the living and abiding word of God is what made you alive in Christ. And it's what will take you home. To be with him as we abide in it. Not just read it. And then in Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 23, 29, it says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? How many of you guys just need to go like, God, have my heart, and you just need him to be like, it's demo day, and just bam, breaking down all the old cabinets, and bringing in the new cabinets, and doing something beautiful, like fixer-upper? How many of you guys need a demo day? Right? That's what Jeremiah's like, isn't my word that? Yeah, it is, I guess. Not I guess, I know now, because I read it. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13 it says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it, 
not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. How many of you need God's word to do some work this year? So we can recalibrate our hearts. Tim Keller is a great theologian, author, pastor. He, he makes this challenge. He goes, if your God never disagrees with you, then you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Some of you guys, you don't like to read the word of God because it doesn't agree with you. I'm going to read the word of God. I just don't like that. How many of us are willing to just say, God, recalibrate our hearts? There's a chance I might be wrong on some things. There's there's a chance that I might have gotten some things wrong. We just say, God, whatever's in your word is true. I just want to recalibrate my heart towards you. And then lastly, it is relevant to whatever whatever we are facing. We're not going to end up, by the way, doing the whole, like, tutorial thing we'll have to do that another time this is going to be the last part of our section and we're going to show a video and when the video is coming up we'll have the worship team come back up and i want want to have the worship team there you guys you guys will follow the video so we're going to need to change some things up because i got excited and and we we, our first section took 35 minutes that's okay right so it's relevant to whatever we're facing and so and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Like, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? That, like, that's like we said. Like, when we read God's word, you can know he's already read you. He already knows all the stuff that's going on in your life. You don't have to like, sit down with God. It's okay to like, you know, like, go, hey, God, here's what's going on in his life. But that's really recalibrating your heart. It's helping you process it because he already knows. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly what you need. And there's this time in the Old Testament, this idea of, the, of just knowing that God always knows and he's always relevant, never outdated, never progressed beyond it. God always knows. And there's a time in the Old Testament with this king Asa. He had a long kingdom. And basically what happens is in the beginning of his kingdom, he knows he doesn't know. That's a good, that's a good place to be when you're a leader. I know that I need help. I know that I don't know. And so he starts asking, like getting some advisors, and people are giving him advice. And so he's listening to those advice, and it's godly advice. And so Israel has a lot of success in the beginning of his reign because they're, because they're being obedient to God. Well, at the end of his reign, like this happens to people sometimes, he became very prideful, and he started thinking, I'm a great king. All this success is just a just just fruit of my greatness as a king and my leadership. And he started thinking he knew what was best and he was super wise and he had this huge army. And he's like, nobody can beat our army that I built with my own hands. And he started getting cocky and prideful. And then what happens is God allows his enemies to come and show him that he's not all that. Sometimes we need that. And so this happens and then in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, a prophet comes to him and says, this is what happened. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. In other words, he didn't cling to the word of God 
he got prideful and forgot that he needed God. What happened was everything kind of fell apart for him. You will never grow out of your need for God's word. You will never grow out of your need for God's word. And you will never grow beyond your need for God as your strength. That's just a reality that he needed to learn. Job, if you guys ever read this, the story of Job, Job's like, if you want to be depressed this year, listen to Depeche Mode a lot and read Job. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's just a recipe. But actually, Job's radical because it's very real. And Job gets in this place where, like, things aren't happening and nothing makes sense. And then at the end of Job, in this long kind of book in the Old Testament, God starts, like, like challenging him and reminding him, like, hey, let me ask you a couple questions. You keep asking me all these questions, Job, and that's fine. But I got a couple questions for you. Like, how far is the earth from the moon? How did it get that way? How does everything work, Job? He starts talking about all these things, and Job has to be like, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, God, you do know, and I don't know. You know, and I don't know. You're big, and I'm not big. I need you, is what he needs to. And, it, and in Job 34, 21, it goes, For his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps, and there's no gloom uh, uh, of deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves, for God has no need to consider a, a, uh, to consider a man further, that he should go beyond God in judgment. He shatters the mighty without investigation, and he sets out uh, others in his place. In other words, God knows everything. God knows, and that's a constant. We'll never get to a place where, where we progress beyond God. If we, if we become smarter than God and we progress beyond God, we're actually disoriented and we're going down when we think we're going up. You'll never progress beyond this God because he knows you. He knows everything he created, everything. He is always right. His word, therefore, is always relevant. We never progress beyond God. His God 